Wolf Dick. Dick Wolf. Dick Wolf. Okay. Wolf Dick. <laughs> I think if it had been Wolf Dick, we'd have been like dying. I mean, we definitely made fun of it because we're immature. Welcome back to the Shaking Not Scared podcast. Here with you as always, your hosts, Eric and Vivi. Today we're going to be talking about the 1984 film, Silent Night, Deadly Night, directed by Charles Sillier. But before we get into that, how are you, Vivi? I feel like I am in a weird in-between state, you know, like on holiday break where you're not working, but you just had a holiday. But not actually because we're not children anymore. We don't get an actual break. Yeah. So it's just sad. Exactly. That's how I feel. <laughs> Even though it's Saturday, it feels like pre-Sunday, which is pre-Monday, you know? <laughs> it's basically Monday. We're possibly going to go to that ghoulish store. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. We won't say which one so no one goes and murders us, but this will be out after we do Afterwards. It. It's also a public place. <laughs> what is it called? Ghoulish something. Ghoulish Mortal or yes. something like that. Let's go over in St. Charles. All I know is Illinois. Okay. Well, what creepy content do you have? Okay. So do you want to mention the article? It kind of is leeway into what I need to talk about. Yeah. So if you saw our socials, we did share an article by Dead Central, but really posted by Sheree, our friend over at the Nightmare on Fear Street podcast. She asked us to help her out, make an article of movies so bad they're good. So we paired some drinks with them, not all of them. My task was to watch Thanks Killing, a movie I did not know about until we started this podcast and we saw people tweeting about it because we asked for Thanksgiving horror. That movie is just wild. It's one of those we know this is a horrible movie and you're watching it because it's horrible. What is the effect of the turkey? Because the turkey is the one killing people, right? Yeah, the turkey is basically bent on revenge against white people for the slaughtered Native Americans. I also watched Christie, which was included on the list, but I didn't make a cocktail for that one. And then Holiday Hell, which was a bunch of anthologies. As it goes with anthologies, some are good, some are not good. A lot of these were not good. <laughs> it it was like super low budget, you could tell. I made a cocktail for that one that I think is probably the prettiest one we've made. Is that the purple one? The moon? The moon worshiper. Yeah. But what have you been watching? Blood Rage. We watched this one together. Insane movie. There's so much that happens. Killer twin brothers. One of them gets framed by the other one who's actually crazy. The other one's been in asylum all his life. A bunch of people get murdered. It seems like they live in like this townhome area. Yeah. And the mom acts like a kid. There's a lot. That movie is a lot. <laughs> you say the mom acts like a kid, but I kind of act like this sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so what does that say about well, me? Well, you are a child. I'm a child. You have said we're adult children. But the reason we say that she's a kid is that like at some point, spoiler alert, she's like freaking out because her kids escaped the asylum. And she's like, I need to clean the house. And the next scene is her just destroying the fridge of all the food it's got because she's just stuffing her face with it. And then later is like sitting on the ground with her legs open and has these like big toes. I think it's just because she seems like a kid in general that I say that. You mean that's not how you're supposed to clean the fridge? That's why I don't ever see you clean the fridge. You yeah. do it when I'm not here. Just inhale it. Mm. But is that it for us for creepy content? It is. Do we have any comfort content? Do we not feel comfortable right now? Okay, I will say this for comfort content because Eric wants to scrap it and I think we should keep it. I, every Thanksgiving, watch every Thanksgiving episode of Bob's Burgers. Like I put it on in the morning to start getting ready for Thanksgiving and then just watch it until we're ready to go with our families. So that's my comfort Thanksgiving ritual. We started watching some Christmas movies recently that you've never mm -hmm. seen. We watched Deck the Halls. If you've seen it, it's got Danny DeVito and the guy who plays first. Bueller. Ferris Bueller, yeah. What's his name? No idea. Anyway, that guy. <laughs> 
You know who Ferris Bueller is. You know how like some actors are just recognized for one role? That's the only That's way you can identify anybody. Like when I see Marvel characters, I just don't ever see them as anyone else but the superhero they play. There's a movie that came out recently, Red Notice, with Ryan Reynolds, The Rock, and Gal Gadot. It's like Wonder Woman, Deadpool, and Black Adam. Or The Rock. The Rock is The Rock always. So that's a bad example. Yeah, The Rock just plays The Rock. Funny enough, my family has discovered The Rock's tequila, and they really like it. Had we given it to your grandma before? I, I was going to. I was about to for Christmas one year. Then my mom said that they went to a restaurant and tried it there. And they're like, oh my God, it's so good. I was like, damn, I should have gotten the gift anyways. Yeah, we posted about a Terramana drink once and never got seen by The Rock. So if you're listening The Rock, which you probably you are. You obviously are. You're a huge horror fan. I love you so much. <laughs> Sponsor us. I mean, that'd be great. But you were saying about actors playing certain roles. You mentioned the Godzilla movies. No, it wasn't the Godzilla movie. Which one was this? Where the dude from Letterkenny is in it and it's just it Wayne. was Godzilla. It was Godzilla? It was the first okay. one with Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Right. Again, they're <laughs> just those characters. He shows up like towards the end. He's one of the military dudes. I'm like, that's Wayne. What's he doing there? <laughs> He's the one who was like gung-ho too and takes the team and go get killed on a yeah. boat. Oh, Wayne. I love Letterkenny. If we want to talk about <laughs> comfort content, Letterkenny. Release a new season. And I think then we'll it's coming out it. soon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I think that's it for comfort content. Tell us more about this drink. I'm excited for it. We're calling this one Egg Naughty or Nice. Eric thought of it. I just like the pun names. I like puns too. Bob's Burgers all the time. So our thought process here was eggnog mixed with Bailey's red velvet cupcake, Irish cream. So it keeps it all desserty. I mixed it with cognac, Hennessy, if you want to get a specific brand, but <laughs> if you want to give it a try. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't really like eggnog at all growing up until you bought the Overwise eggnog. Is Overwise a Midwest thing? I think so. Could be wrong. If it isn't, go and look for this eggnog. I don't think I like eggnog either. So because of that, it is a sweet Christmas drink. It's pretty good. I will give it a three. If eggnog's your jam. I give it a 3.5 because I really like this eggnog. If you try it with an eggnog that's not good, it's going to make or break this. Side note, we are also drinking dragon's milk, but the Solera variety. Fodder aged ale, which we learned just means barrel aged. Your beer's name's already dragon's milk. You don't have to be cooler. I know. Point is, I don't like it as much as the usual dragon's milk. The one that comes from the dragon's teat. Are you ready for fun facts? Yes. Now that you have this creamy drink. Morgan Ames created an entire album of original Christmas songs that was supposed to be released alongside the film. But because of bad press and reception, the album wasn't released. It wasn't until 2014 that the songs were released by Death Waltz Recording Company alongside the score of the film by Perry Botkins. This is probably why I told you I don't think I've ever heard any of these Christmas songs, and I've heard a lot of Christmas songs. I used to be a musician in church. I would know. Yeah, no, the titular song of this movie is creepy as fuck, and I kept writing it down in my notes, like, what is this song? The soundtrack in this entire film had me thinking maybe it was created for it because there's just so much emphasis on the music. Could it be like a copyright issue or those songs don't want to be associated with this film? I don't know. It was like a double feature release, but the end credits, there's a huge emphasis on don't copyright this film, but also the music. It was clear that they wanted to release these songs as new age Christmas music. But it, it just didn't, didn't work out. Work out. Yeah. Charles Sellier was too squeamish to film the death scenes, so editor Michael Spence helped co-direct them. That's hilarious. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. A director being like, Ew. Yeah, he was like, they're too gory. I don't want to. How are you directing horror? <laughs> He's like, I like the idea of gore, but 
I don't want to be there when it's happening. Fair enough. During production, the film was titled Sleigh Ride. Some believed the name came from a book by Paul Kaimi. At the beginning, there's like a card that says, based on the story by Paul Kaimi. The book doesn't actually exist. It's actually just inspired by a script he made. And not even the script itself inspired the director to be like, oh, I kind of like the idea of a guy running around killing people dressed as Santa Claus. The name was changed by TriStar Pictures before the movie was released. So it was just like the production name, Sleigh Ride, not... Actually titled that. Yeah. So he saw a partial script and like ran with it. Then. Yeah. And that partial script wasn't even named Sleigh Ride. So we're just really out here renaming things as we <laughs> wish, huh? Yeah. Silent Night, Deadly Night was released on November 9th, 1984, the same day as the first Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, it actually did better on oh, opening shit. weekend. This is surprising given that the film was pulled from a lot of theaters due to complaints from parents. So it still outperformed and was being released at less theaters than Nightmare. And you don't hear about this one as often. No. I did hear that this film was extremely controversial when it was released. Because like Santa or all the assault? Because a character so beloved to kids as Santa was the one doing the murdering. It doesn't seem any worse than any slashers that were out at the time. Kind of seems on par. But because it was Santa, parents were like, no, no, you're ruining Christmas. The real reason behind Christmas. Right. Not Jesus. (laughs) My dad would say, why are kids thinking this fat white man when I'm the one who has to kill myself at work to get them gifts? Kind of what the nun says too, right? Yeah, she's like, Santa Claus ain't real over and over. And these over. kids are, anyway, we'll get there, but all of them are going to grow up to be bad people. <laughs> Listen, it's your turn to do a speed run. Oh, it's been man. like, I haven't a done one weeks. in like months. Yeah, thanks to our friends who've back. visited, we've avoided sounding horrible trying to do this. Are you ready? No, okay. One, two, three, go. We open on this family on their way to visit grandpa on Christmas Eve. Grandpa pretends to be catatonic, and then the parents leave the room, and the kid is the only one left with him, and he's like, Beware of Santa. You're going to be punished if you're bad. Anyway, the kid leaves and is traumatized and is telling his parents this, but his parents don't listen. And then they get stopped by a carjacking Santa who literally murders all of them. We find out that he's later taken to an orphanage where he is also punished and told he is naughty his entire fucking life until he turns 18 and gets a job in a department store. And he is forced to dress up as Santa for Christmas in the department store. And he starts drinking alcohol and then he has like triggering flashbacks to what happened in his childhood and he murders all his freaking coworkers and then he goes on a rampage to murder like a bunch of people in town. But then he ends up back at the orphanage because his little brother is still there, but also the nun that was horrible to him and like caused all his freaking problems. And he's about to kill her, the true villain of the story, and they shoot him dead. And his little brother is like remembering all of it now because surprise, he survived and he says naughty. And you get the sense that he's going to continue on and be the next evil Santa. Ended right at the minute. <laughs> I don't even think I mentioned that. Oh, I did mention that he was dressed as Santa. You okay. did. I liked how you had time to throw in your own perspective, too. You're like, the true villain of this film. Listen, <laughs> yes. You always have time. <laughs> There's always time to talk shit about oppressive people. Abusive people. I'm actually really impressed with myself. Great work. I'm out of breath. I need water. I'm proud of you. <laughs> you want to give me an overview? Yeah. This one's from Amazon. That's random. After his parents are murdered, a tormented teenager goes on a murderous rampage dressed as Santa, a controversial cult classic slasher, and the perfect antidote to the holiday season. Are you ready to dive into the Christmas spirit with a little bit of murderous Santa Claus? Yeah, I just wanted to ask you first, was this your first time watching too? Yeah, it was yours? Yeah. Ooh, that's fun. What'd you think of it? Just kind of quick, general. I thought it'd be worse because I feel like people talk really bad about it. Yeah, I haven't seen this, I think because it gets a lot of negative connotations even like years later, but it wasn't that bad. No, I mean, there's a lot of sexual assault, but not as bad as other things we've watched. At what point do we say a movie is good and a movie is bad for different reasons? Because I feel like people really like things killing. And I would say that this is way better probably than that. But people hate this. I don't think it's hated. I definitely think it's developed a cult. 
following over the years. I think it's just the whole it's against Christmas and what's more like American than Christmas. We open on this title card that says Christmas Eve 1971. A family is in the car. We have mom, dad, Billy, and baby Ricky all on their way to visit grandpa. We learn that grandpa is pretty sick and he has been catatonic for a while but on their way to visit him billy is going on and on about santa like any kid would they're listening to christmas music billy is asking are we gonna make it in time is he gonna know where we are if we're in the car still driving how is he supposed to visit all fair questions for billy you know i used to ask these questions too when we were at family parties and it'd be approaching 12 and i'd be like hello like we need to go yeah (laughs) they're just like oh no it's okay you have a big surprise tonight which is like a call out to what's gonna happen to night this movie has so much foreshadowing in it and not in a subtle way at all it's like staring at you in the face they show up to the utah mental facility and they find grandpa i thought this movie was going to follow the story of the grandpa being murderous and that's why he's like this oh maybe that's the point it runs in their blood that grandpa's in this mental facility he's not in a senior home it's not like he's there because he's old he's there because he's potentially got a problem that's true i mean it doesn't say clearly why he's there also you imagine in the 70s they probably just throw everyone with problems into one medical entity like old people (laughs) yeah let's say he had dementia and Mm. they considered it a mental illness and they just threw him in there i don't know i'm not the person to ask this as the movie proceeds ricky who is billy's little brother doesn't really make an appearance until the end and it implies billy's death passed on the craziness to ricky what if that's what's just happened throughout this family grandpa has like no reason to tell billy it's really funny he waits until everyone leaves the room and just immediately starts talking to billy it's terrifying i'd be terrified if i was a little kid at this happen billy calls for his mom the grandpa's like no one is coming for you he warns billy that christmas is the scariest time of the year and that santa punishes bad kids and if he sees santa that he better run for his life not scary at all to tell a child yeah and immediately goes to being quiet as the parents as come people back. walk in which makes me think he is totally faking this being ill thing but that's Again, another story that we don't follow makes me wonder what happened to the grandpa as they're leaving billy's excitement for santa has now become fear he is telling his parents about what his grandfather told him i thought it was going to be one of those situations where the kid just doesn't say anything and the grandpa gets to get away with being weird but no billy immediately says something the parents think he's insane they're like what are you talking about your grandpa doesn't even talk and as billy continues to say these ridiculous things they're telling him shut up your grandpa's an idiot billy turns to his mom and is like don't say that that's naughty people who are naughty get punished and that's exactly what happens next (laughs) yeah again this movie's not subtle with the foreshadowing in another scene we get a santa walking into a convenience store which immediately turns into him holding up the joint he kills the cashier shooting him multiple times excessively the santa essentially holds up the store for 31 dollars. he walks out and counts the money he's like 31 bucks <sighs> merry christmas i guess listen killing someone for 31 dollars is not worth it even in the 70s this santa is just very violent he has no clear plans on what he's doing i wonder how many murders actually happen in the holiday season with people dressed up as santa claus i'm sure that's a thing it's like those clowns that show up on halloween and what's scarier santa claus killers or clown killers santa claus <laughs> Obviously, as this guy is doing this in the background, the family is approaching. The music that plays reminds me of the way that the music plays an important part in Halloween 3. The radio is constantly on throughout the film, and it's almost like reminding you, oh yeah, all this stuff has happened, and all these people are getting killed. But don't forget, it's Christmas, and it's really happy. The music definitely plays a prominent role. There's even people singing as some of the murdering is taking place later on. In a few scenes, it's not just one instance, which proves my theory that Christmas music makes you want to murder people. Sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> when it's the piano song from Charlie Brown, it makes me just want to dance. I do like that one. That's good. That's the only one. All the rest, burn them. Says the guy who literally said he lists some I nothing. burn them after January 1st. Okay. okay. All right. <laughs> listen again until November. But the family runs into this Santa who is pulled over with his car and he's got like the hood up and he looks like he needs help. The dad is like, I'm going to stop to see what he wants. Billy is screaming, don't do it. Santa's evil. They don't listen to him. Because why would you listen to a kid? I think now you definitely wouldn't. I think I've said this multiple times on the show. I wouldn't stop to help people. Which is unfortunate. But you also hear a lot of horror stories of people who do. This is that creepypasta. You're driving at night. It's like foresty. You see a woman who's alone on the side of the road and looks like she needs help. She's screaming. You either go left and swerve around or you stop and you decide to swerve around. You look in your rearview mirror and you see more people come out the forest. No, thank you. Now, especially with everyone having cell phones, I'm going to be like, dude, just call for help. It does suck, though, when you're on the other side of it. When I was in high school, I needed help because my phone had died. And I was waiting for the train. And when I was walking around asking, like, hey, can I use your phone? It's unfortunate that people are, like, suspicious because they think they're going to get their phone stolen. A lot of people told me no until, like, one guy said yes. And then I remember I asked my mom, like, why did you do this? Because she kept calling the guy back to see where I was. And I was like, I'm not hanging out with the guy. Yeah, that's really funny because a very similar story happened to me. This is back in college as well. I had almost missed the bus. I was really stressed out because I had this test. And this is, like, one of those moments where you're like, school is just, like, not worth it. <laughs> I ran after the bus. And while running after the bus, I had dropped my cell phone in the snow and when I got on and was like relieved that I caught the bus I realized that my phone was missing and I went up to another woman and I was like hey I'm sorry I like dropped my phone in the snow can I like call my mom I grabbed her phone to call my mom and then I was gonna turn around and go get my backpack because in my mind I'm like someone's gonna steal my backpack too and then I was like oh wait I have this lady's phone she's gonna think I'm gonna bolt out of the bus with her phone and the same thing like I was able to call my mom my mom was able to pick up my phone which was like super lucky and then my mom was calling back this lady being like I have your phone don't worried i'm like oh okay what a tangent on being stranded we're just more suspicious now because of all that stuff true crime being too trusting yeah has obviously taught us a lesson which is what happens to this family because the father does not listen and tries to help out the santa immediately he pulls a gun out on them now the father reverses very quickly and you think maybe they're gonna get away but the santa just starts shooting at them again this santa is just violent for the sake of being violent because if you're trying to rob somebody you figure like oh they got away already you know it's not worth the effort anymore billy listening to grandpa's advice runs away Bye. his little brother is crying we see the santa open the car door billy's father drops out of the car obviously having been shot dead he's got a bullet wound in the forehead his mom is still alive though and we unfortunately trigger warning get a scene of her getting essayed in the midst of her panic and screaming santa pulls out a pocket knife and slits her throat the scene pretty much ends with ricky crying in the back seat and billy just being shocked at everything he saw flash forward three years later in an orphanage it makes you wonder how they got here the santa claus was looking for him so you know how they get out you assume the cops came and saved the kids but like how did that come to be plot twist billy had killed the santa oh and that's where his murderous rage comes from it's not impossible this kid's strong as shit oh my god we're about (laughs) to talk about this kid being strong as hell december 1974 at st mary's the nun tells billy to put up his art coast to put his art up on the board and has drawn a picture of a deer getting beheaded and santa claus with a bunch of like knives in him they're like oh my god so he gets taken to mother superior mother superior john i literally think that every time (laughs) i hear mother superior 
Beatles. The Beatles. She's yelling at him, tells him he can't be doing that anymore, and sends him to this room. Says, you're in isolation until I say you're out of there. Sister Margaret and Mother Superior stay behind to discuss Billy and his history. And they're basically like, having this whole thing about what's right and what's wrong. Mother Superior wants to undo his mental state using training like he's a dog. Yeah. And she's like, my methods are perfect and they work. Margaret's like, no, he needs professional help. Yeah, shout out to Sister Margaret because she kind of understands trauma in a time period where it's not really understood. Kids drawing out the traumatic things that happened to them is very telling. And I can't believe that Mother Superior just does not listen to this. Now it's so obvious to us, right? But when mental health didn't really exist back then. Yeah, the level of negligence for this Mother Superior to say, like, oh, I can correct him and I'll beat it out of him is basically her point. But this is definitely the mentality of a lot of parents at this time. I don't want to say our parents, but like our parents grew up with their parents being like this and so on and so forth. They're talking about his memories and how he's too young to remember and he's not that much older. What? It's three years later, so he is... Eight. And he was... Five? When this happened, you definitely remember yeah. shit at five. <laughs> I think we've had this argument before where they keep talking about like, he's not going to remember. And it was not that long after. That kid was 25. Well, he referred to 18 year old him as a kid. When Margaret goes to the store and is like, yeah. I've got a kid for you to go work. And he's like, what do I want a little kid for? Listen, no 18 year old looks like that though. No. Swole as they fuck. still look like children. They yeah. do. <laughs> Margaret goes into Billy's room and basically tells him, hey, go out and play with the other children. I think it'll be good for you. Don't worry about what Mother Superior said. As Billy gets his jacket on, he starts to to hear very strange noises and goes to follow them down the world's longest hallway. While he hears these moaning noises that are not very secret. Yes. While this was actually happening, we were kind of confused. We actually thought it was one of the nuns. I thought it was Margaret. I didn't know if it was her, but I definitely thought it was like one of the nuns doing this with maybe like one of the pastures or something. Like, Yeah. Not having seen this before, I thought maybe there's a sinning happening within the orphanage and this is going to further affect Billy. Obviously being here has affected him in a different way and that's because of the way that Mother Superior acts with yeah. him. But I thought this was going to be like, fuck Santa. The church also is in there for you, Billy. More trauma. Instead, Billy goes and follows the noise, sees what is actually two older orphans having sex. Mother Superior comes out of nowhere, pushes Billy out of the way, and starts beating these poor people for having sex. When he sees the older orphan female is naked through the keyhole, he gets flashes at his mom. Although they may be suppressed memories, he's starting to remember little by little with things that happen to him. After being caught, Mother Superior then finds Billy in the playground, basically further traumatizes him, further cementing sex and violence together by saying that what they were doing is naughty and they needed to be punished. Punishment is necessary. Punishment is good. This is something that Billy holds on to too well for the rest of the film. Yeah. Billy, having left his room and witnessed that, makes him naughty. She then proceeds to beat him. Now, after this, he gets an onslaught of nightmares, remembering the night his family was murdered. He runs out of the room looking for help and instead runs into Mother Superior once again, who ties him to the bedpost. And he is screaming for somebody to help him. Nobody does. Even Sister Margaret is seeing all this happen and does nothing for him. What they're doing is how to make a series Real killer 101. Yeah, while Billy is tied to the bed, he's also having really bad dreams. He flashes back to his dad rolling out of the car. The kids are playing with their presents. It's the next day. Mother Superior walks by, and instead of being like, oh good, these kids are playing. I'm so glad they're happy. It's Christmas. Being cheery herself, in good fashion, doesn't break character, and is like, I see nothing but greed where this 
should be gratitude. Sounding a lot like Ethan from Billy. Absolutely. They'd be best friends. Billy's brought down and Mother Superior is like, did you learn your lesson? Like, are you feeling better now? Honestly, how much better what could you What are you going to say? Mother Superior is confident that her methods have worked. However, Sister Margaret's like, no, he gets better after Christmas every year. He'll be back to normal soon. And she's like, no, the final test that I have for him here is that he is going to sit on Santa's lap and he is going to be good. You're afraid of bees? You know what'll make you less afraid of bees? If we just throw an entire beehive at you. Now, I believe this is a form of therapy, but I don't know if it's a well-sanctioned, well-approved form of therapy. It's either you it's like get over here. it because you realize like it's not so bad or it's just further traumatic. But right? Billy realizes that it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. So he gets put on Santa's lap and I get that people who do this Santa get up and have a hard time because kids just cry and fight and whatever. And I don't think that it's necessarily the Santa's job to be like, come here and like force them because that's also kind of shitty. If I was Santa, I'm not going to go in and start running at him and be like, come on, it's fine. So this Santa does forcefully try to grab Billy and pull him back. Billy fights back, turns around and punches the shit out of Santa Claus out of his chair to the point where the guy's like bleeding all over his beard. And it's like, what the hell is wrong with you, kid? He runs into his room very much afraid, not wanting to be punished and goes into the fetal position. The last thing we hear is Mother Superior making her way to him. Next title card we get is that it's 10 years later. Spring of 1984, Margaret is looking for a job for Billy and is talking to this man named Mr. Sims. So like, here's my issue with her getting him this job. Sister Margaret. Margaret. Margie. Margie. Marge. Margarita. Margarita. Listen, you know this kid is traumatized. Traumatized by Christmas. And you want him to work retail? To be fair, it is spring. So maybe she didn't think that far along. No, I'm sorry. You gotta think that far along if this kid's that traumatized. (laughs) She's a little partially to blame here. Well, it's been 10 years. I wonder if maybe she herself thought, he's better now. We've experienced 10 punches to a Santa's face. Every year. He's probably good. He got it out of his system. A decade of punching. You're done. You're fine. She's not though because she calls him on Christmas Eve. So she knows that he's not okay. The way she's trying to sell Billy to this Mr. Sims is she's like, I got this boy. He's from our orphanage. He can do the job. And the guy's like, what do I want a boy for? I want a man. A man. I'm just thinking of Big Mouth. They turn the camera and it's like pan from his feet up to his face. I put it out like, damn, that guy's been working out and hitting the gym. What kind of gym they got at the orphanage? (laughs) His biceps are all veiny. I I, mean, it emphasizes (laughs) his biceps. They're like, oh, you want a man? And Mr. Sims is into it, like a little too into it. He's like, oh, when can you start? Immediately. Yeah. Please. (laughs) Maybe he's been punching Santa's so hard and that's why he's got these big buys. Is that all you got to do? Is that the fitness secret? Just punching things that you're angry at? doesn't seem worth it. I mean, if you do it once a year, every year during Christmas. That's it? That's the only workout you have to do? Okay, hey, now it seems worth it. If you've watched One Punch Man, all he does is 100 A mild work of workout routine. At the cost of his hair. Well, Gotta sacrifice something. Billy sacrificed his childhood. I don't think Billy did. I think someone else did. Yeah. Obviously, Billy gets the job and we get this very 80s montage of him working over the next few months, but it felt more like a sitcom opening. They play like half the song. So many scenes of him just carrying a box. Saying hi to his coworker, laughing. Flirting with Pamela, who he's very obviously interested in. On the phone and pointing at the camera. And then the random thrown in scene where Mr. Sims and the lady who works there open this banner and there's a Santa on it and Billy being like really afraid of it. uncomfortable. Yeah. Like the montage is happy and then this happens and it's like, oh shit, Billy's like, clearly affected. <laughs> you know. But we find out that his coworker Andy is actually kind of an asshole. He is. Because Christmas time is approaching, Billy is affected from when Andy's saying, Billy has been missing, not 
not coming into work. His entire demeanor has changed. He's been like an asshole and standoffish. But I think the way that Andy brings this issue up is a little too aggressive because he's Absolutely. like, you fucking asshole, you fucking dick. Like he's just really going in on Billy. And it's like, dude, Billy generally seems like he's a good person. Just to further Billy's trauma and another reason why he should not work in a department store during the holidays is that the store hires a Santa <laughs> to greet the kids at the store. This is another moment too where Billy flashes to what happened in the car. And I think it's the scene where Billy is hiding behind the bushes and the Santa's like, I'm looking for you, kid. Visibly upset. Pamela goes to comfort him, saying she'll clean up the mess, but it's just so obvious that this person hates Santa. <laughs> With good reason. After this, it's unclear that it's a dream sequence. I remember watching it and being like, hey, is he dreaming? Because it went from Pamela helping him in the store and then they're like doing it. It was like, I didn't know they were there yet. I also thought it was weird, but it was too like sudden to not be. At this point, the movie has already kind of done this where you don't know if it's real or not. And it kind of sets him up as the unreliable narrator, right? Like you don't know what's real and what's not, similar to his mental state. At the end of this dream sequence, Pamela screams and is like, no! Billy turns around and there's a Santa with a blade and it goes into him and then just slides along the side of his body. Pretty the bloody. That's in here are pretty gruesome, right? They're pretty good. This dream sequence just goes to show you how how ingrained his trauma is like he views sex as a bad thing because of what this nun did to him he is very much associating sex and violence together once he wakes up like when he was a kid cowers in the corner and says i'm not naughty i'm not bad so sad for billy honestly i wonder if part of the reason why this movie has such mixed reviews or feelings is this is the first slasher we've seen where the killer is the sole focus like you see his origin what causes him to be the way he is and then what he does so it's almost i don't want to say less scary but i think part of the reason of what makes like michael Myers so scary was that he was just killing and you didn't know why part of what makes freddie so scary sure you knew he was a child killer but you didn't know like the exact things that led him to be a child killer and then go <laughs> on so i think why maybe this film disturbs a lot of people and like i don't know if it accidentally got this right is it kind of studies nature versus nurture and shows that that this could literally happen to any kid. And maybe that's what people didn't like. Like if you traumatize a kid enough, they will become a killer. Yeah. This is Randall Stone, Mr. Sims, the guy who usually plays Santa, broke his leg recently. We need to get a replacement. He's like, well, why don't you get somebody from your committee to do it? And she's like, well, the committee is like all women. So the role itself, and she like hands to the sanitaire, has got to be of like a different variety. The thing that I found <laughs> funny about this scene is like, he's got to be jolly and round. And then Mr. Sims, like, you know, who'd be great at this? My most fit buff employee. Billy's biceps. <laughs> That's really what. <laughs> he thought about <laughs> red cheeks veiny just like santa claus mr sims goes in to tell billy hey you're gonna be our new santa and he's talking shit to billy mr sims doesn't give a shit he's like whatever drama i don't need it i need santa it's kind of weird that they would pan quickly to billy already being in the santa suit and wouldn't show billy being like no to putting it on i think billy just said yes because it's his job and he felt like he couldn't say no he's already kind of on thin ice because andy's like threatening him but he almost puked at the sight of santa That's like i can't funny. imagine I like getting a costume way to not be observant here people Again, Sister Margaret, what the fuck? He puts it on and they're like hyping him up and he's just staring at himself wearing the Santa suit. Just like, you know, when you look at yourself in the mirror at the gym, you can't get that last rip out and you're just like telling yourself you're a piece of shit. And then you're like, yeah, I could do this. That's how Billy is. not relate to that. <laughs> That's how Billy is looking at himself in the mirror. More on like the actor who plays Billy as he's 18. I can't decide if this actor is terrible or really good. 
<laughs> that probably says a lot already because he delivers his lines after this. Like he hardly speaks as an adult. He speaks more as a kid than he does as an adult. The way he delivers punishment or <laughs> naughty. It's almost like a meme. It's, punishment! <laughs> he doesn't deliver it like with any emotion, which again, I don't know if it's because he's a great actor or a terrible actor. But I guess the next scene where he talks to the kid is like great. a determining factor because it's pretty terrifying. We get a scene where Sister Margaret has called the stockroom to check in on Billy. And he answers and basically tells him that he's not working in the stockroom right now. For the next couple days, he will be playing Santa. Sister Margaret is like, oh, shit, that's not good. She should have honestly <laughs> walked in at that exact moment and been like, no, you're done. You're done. Yeah, you're she done. waited way too long to come in. Literally right after all the murders. So he goes out there dressed as Santa and immediately he's given a child who does not want to be there. He whispers to her, what's the matter with you? Like, he's really monotone. What's the yes. matter with you? What's wrong with you? Stop. What's wrong with you? What's the matter with you? Stop it. Stop it. What's the matter? And she's like crying and like acting her Squirming. butt out. Yeah. yeah. And he's just like, no, what's the matter with you? What? Stop it. Stop it right now. Stop it right now. What's the matter with you? Stop it. What's the matter with you? And he just keeps repeating the same thing over and over again. This scene goes on for a really it long really time. It really does. I'm, it sounds like I'm exaggerating. That's how it's long, how long it the scene goes on. But he's like, be good or you'll be punished severely. Severely. And the kid's like, oh, fuck. Oh, damn. He just hands her a candy cane and she just walks away. And the parents are like, oh, my God. He's he is great, great with kids. So again, he's great at acting like terrifying. But then when he delivers the lines of like punishment, naughty, he doesn't naughty. even say it with that much emotion. They're like, we just need you to be like a beefcake. You don't actually have to act. No, you don't even have to wear the beard, right? No, for like the majority <laughs> of the movie. The kids are like Santa Claus and he's just got the beard under his chin. I'm like, kid, you good? The next thing we get is Mr. Sims closing down the store and saying, thank God that's finally freaking over. Let's get shit faced. And while that's funny... I pointed out that it was Christmas Eve when this was taking place. And I'm like, this is the last day I would want to have a company holiday party. Like, no, I'm going home. Yeah. I've literally had to work Christmas Eves and I just wanted to get out of there as soon as possible. The previous years I worked at a dental office and we were done by like noon, but it was still super freaking annoying to go in at like eight in the morning, work till noon, come home. My mom's throwing food at me because I have to help her cook for oh, Christmas I Eve. I thought to eat. No, to help. Her, I wish to eat. No, I had to help her cook. Stuffing food down your throat while she made you cook. I mean, kind of. That's <laughs> real Mexican mom shit. Last year, I had to work retail, so I didn't get out of work till like five or six o'clock. And then we had to drive like a freaking hour to go visit our families. This year's going to be your first year chilling. Ever. Like a regular Christmas Eve. Christmas is never chill when you're an adult. They give Billy advice. By the time you're done here having a good time at the party, you'll think you're Santa Claus. Because After they, they give make him, him alcohol. Which, because not knowing his past is not a good idea. I don't know if the over 21 law was already a thing in 84. It could be a state thing too because it's Utah. Ah, in 1984, Congress passed the minimum drinking age. There it is. Because of this movie. <laughs> Just kidding. It was passed, looks like in October, but not in effect until 1986. Weird. Okay. According to Wikipedia, this could be wrong. Either way, the filming could have probably happened way before. Way this. before the actual yeah. year they attended. Yeah. Andy is hitting on Pamela, which Billy obviously likes. He's flashing around a mistletoe like, hey, let's go to the back. She's like, no, let's hang out here. And he's like, no, no, let's go. And he's being real pushy. In the first few scenes, it seems like it's mutual. But then as the scene goes on, you're like, oh, no, this is not mutual. No. They make out in the stock room. The store owner is still talking to Billy and being like, what's up? Billy's like, I'm thinking about my parents. 
parents. And Soroner's like, oh yeah, 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 there's nothing wrong with thinking about your parents on Christmas. He's like, my parents are dead. He's like, oh, oh man, oh. Like these actors do really well at acting drunk. I really believe Mr. Sims. <laughs> he was very much acting like he was intoxicated. And my favorite part about this interaction is you employed him from an orphanage, sir. <laughs> he goes, oh man, I forgot. How oh. do you not remember that? To be fair, he's drunk. I mean, I guess. <laughs> he's like, you better get started because you know what Santa does on Christmas Eve night? And Billy's like, what does Christmas Eve do on Santa at night? <laughs> Make him want to murder. But yeah, so we noticed that there was a change in the movie vibe. Quality. We don't know if this just has to do with where we rented the movie or if it is the quality of streaming. Like, we don't know. But it's like on and off. Yes, the quality becomes much darker and grainier. During and murders. switches back. So we were joking and saying like, oh, they applied the murder filter. Oh, you know what? What if this has to do with Michael Spence being in charge of the filming of the murder scenes and they didn't get the same camera? That, that would make it. a lot of sense. Yeah. So then it really is a murder murder murder, murder filter. Murder filter. Scene. Say it again. Sorry. Murder filter. No, say the way you said before. Then it really is just a murder filter. Say it again. Murder. Murder filter. Murder filter. Murder. You good? Yeah. So after Mr. Sims has that super awkward discussion with Billy, he leaves him alone and we notice that Pamela and Andy are going even further into the stock room. Oh, you have a present for me? I don't understand why you can't give me that present in front of everyone else. Instead of us going further into the stock room and Andy being coy, saying it's not a present for everyone. It's not necessarily something that everyone is going to like. You as the audience knows where this is going and it's kind of unfortunate. I thought maybe he was just like, we're going to go do it in the back but like not essay yeah no not a fan of this the scene goes straight to hell for billy because it's what essentially triggers him almost shot for shot yes and he's trying to essay pam billy is like freaking out flooded with memories of what happened when he was a kid and goes into attack mode against andy grabs some nearby christmas lights wraps them around andy's head and like michael myers one arm hangs him by his neck and are we surprised though no we're not because he's been punching santa claus for 10 one-handed as a kid yeah. yes <laughs> it's the same arm it's not surprising. Yeah. Pam immediately is freaked out by Billy killing Murdering. Andy and is like, you're crazy. Billy is in shock because he's like, I just helped you. Pam is like, no, you're crazy. This is insane. And she's scared. He's like, you're naughty. Pulls out a box cutter and then just slices her down from her belly button up to her sternum. It's pretty brutal. All this commotion causes Mr. Sims to hear what's going on. This is one of those instances of the co-workers are singing a Christmas song. It's that titular creepy Santa's watching you song that we've heard throughout the rest of the film. Mr. Sims is hearing all the weird sounds that are going on, so he decides to go and investigate, leaving Mrs. Randall by herself. When he makes his way to the back, he doesn't actually see anything, and then he says, like, oh my god, I'm just drunk. I'm just hearing things. Felt bad for them. He, you do. They didn't really do anything bad. Like, you could say that... The store owner was creepy when Billy got hired. He was a little creepy, but he didn't do anything. Andy was a huge creep, but Pamela also did not do anything. We didn't even get much from Pamela, like her personality or anything. No. Other than that, Billy liked her. And that she seemed kind of nice but we don't know because she gets murdered immediately mm -hmm. the store owner mr sims gets a hammer straight to the head and all we see is cranberry sauce hit the boxes in the background but mrs randall realizes that she's alone decorations start to turn on and she's like so mesmerized and drunk by everything she's like oh my god mr sims where are you this is amazing she goes to the back to look for him that's when she sees his body with the hammer in his head she freaks out billy comes out of nowhere and starts chasing her she does a pretty good job of escaping i was actually even thinking maybe she was like the oh, final girl i thought girl. she was gonna make it she hides from billy pretty well tricks him into thinking one of the boxes is her little bow on her head he goes to swipe at it misses she comes out from behind him and throws all these boxes on him she steals the axe 
runs to the front door, but somehow Billy pulls a fucking real bow and arrow at a toy store. It's not a toy store. <laughs> she would have made it if it weren't for the fact that Billy's unexpectedly a skilled archer. I know. He gets her like right in the back too, like center. Skilled. You don't do that accidentally on your first try. But to be fair, Billy does have a pretty good arm. So I don't know. That's true. Didn't necessarily have to be that great. You could have yeah. probably thrown the arrow and it'd have been just as good. The movie does this kind of thing where it flashes mm-hmm. to everyone's death. As Billy is escaping from the store or just leaving because he has the key. (laughs) (laughs) Margaret shows up way too late. Way too fucking late. (laughs) And sees the chaos that's happening. She literally called like six hours ago. The next scene we get is a bunch of carolers singing outside of a house. Now, the scene then pans backward to a house behind the carolers, and we find ourselves in a basement with two teenagers about to do it. And this little girl comes downstairs, or is trying to go downstairs. She's calling out to Denise and is like, you know, what are you guys doing? And because these kids are like half naked, they're like telling her to stay upstairs. If you don't go to sleep, Santa's not going to bring you your presents. She goes back to bed. In the middle of doing it, Denise is like, I hear jingles. Our cat needs to be let in. And then the guy's like, what the fuck? you talking about she's like i don't know i don't know i just need to go let him in she goes to check and the guy's kind of like annoyed let's point out what she wears to go upstairs <laughs> she puts on booty shorts daisy dukes no shirt completely topless but she puts on shorts she straight up throws the door right open topless trying to let in the cat it is a very midwestern thing where like logically you're like my legs aren't cold but I, i'll wear a puffy jacket so i was like does she open the front door and then all the neighbors can see you because i guess if you open the back door who cares billy just knows when people are doing it because like michael like michael he hates naked people yes call back to our first horrible episode (laughs) along with letting the cat in we get one of those flat lines delivered by billy of punish no emotion and he goes in swinging he walks in attacks her she does put up a good fight up until he grabs her and she can't fight it's almost like he doesn't even know what to do now he's carrying her did you realize that yeah it takes him a minute to be like okay well what do i do he finally sees this taxidermy deer with antlers on the wall and just impales it crazy death I, I like it's this a crazy death. kill i've never seen one like this yeah it comes out her front and she dies instantly yeah because it seemed like he struggled with it for a minute it's pretty gruesome the way he like pushes her into the taxidermy deer head i really don't like it you know i hate taxidermy i think we've talked about it on our texas episode yeah the antlers aren't that sharp either so he had to really push her on there Ugh, gruesome yeah. the boyfriend being annoyed because he hasn't done his thing yet he goes up to look for her realizes there's a mess and the front door is broken in and slowly turns around to find that Denise is hanging on this deer head. And that's when Billy instantly attacks. To this boyfriend's credit, who I don't know if they say his name, sorry. He fights him off enough for him to be able to call the cops right away. And it turns out to be the wrong move. Billy ends up being able to come back, disconnect the phone cord, and then picks up this poor boy and throws him out the window. The little girl from earlier sees quote unquote Santa and ask for a gift because she's been good. And this is a very tense scene where you don't know if Billy is going to hurt this child or not because he keeps asking, have you been good? Have you been naughty? The entire time he's holding the box cutter he used to kill Pamela. And eventually when the girl for the million times says, yes, I've been good, he gifts her a murder weapon. <laughs> and she just stays staring like, she's very confused. The little girl's like, what? He walks away ominously. You hear the little girl in the background like, Denise, the cop talk about bringing in a Santa. The idea is probably that Margaret found the store the way she found it called and the called the cops. 
These cops find this guy using a ladder to get into like a second floor building and they immediately are like gun ready. They run into the barge house. into this house. This lady's like watching TV and is like, oh my God, what's going on? And she chases after them because they just run up the stairs. No warrant. Fucking just run in. They go into the second floor and they see the Santa Claus is hovering over the little girl who's asleep in her bed. They turn on the light and they pull the gun on him. The guy turns around and it's like, obviously not Billy. The little girl actually wakes up and she's like, dad? Recognizes him in his Santa costume. And this is one of those like comical scenes in a horror movie where they literally just busted in on a dad trying to surprise his kid. Yeah. Fun fact. Beautiful. The guy who is Santa in the scene, he plays Michael Myers in Halloween 5. I think he was like a stuntman around this time. These mics are insane. I think our mics just picked up some freaking coyotes. Outside. Maybe. It, it was, was so creepy. It was. It sounded <laughs> like, like it was right afraid. here. I thought it was Loki howling for a second. So the kids are sledding. These two other kids come in and like bully them and take their sleds. And they take turns going down. So the one guy goes down. He's at the bottom. And he's like, okay, cool. Coast is clear. Make it all the way down here. The second kid, as he's sliding down, Billy comes out of nowhere and is like naughty and just slices his head off with the axe. Mid slide. Yeah. He doesn't stop. The body comes down headless. The head follows rolling and the kid's like screaming in fear. Extremely traumatizing, but a pretty good scene. Oh, yeah, for pretty sure. Pretty good kill. All the kids in this movie are traumatized, okay? We're at the police station. Margaret's approached by the captain who says that there's been three more murders and they're freaking out. Margaret goes on to say there's a logic to what he's doing. Did you get what the fucking logic was? Kill everybody at the store. Kill some random teenagers in a home. Kill these kids sledding. Like, I don't know what logic Margaret's talking about. She's like, there's a pattern. And the guy's like, well, if there's a pattern, we can figure out where he's going next. Yeah. So obviously it's the orphanage. Like, what? I don't know if it works because no one was murdered in a store and it's trauma. And she doesn't get enough background information to know the specifics of each kill. So maybe if she did, and she's like, oh my God, he's murdering people who are being either sexually active or essayed. He's reliving the trauma and then he's going to go back to the source of what caused him to think like this, Mother Superior. That's a stretch though, because <laughs> the captain does not say all that. And she's basically saying, if you know him, you can predict where he's going. Ma'am, why were you napping then? You could have <laughs> predicted where he was going and stopped this a long time ago. Right. She's not good. You know. She's nice. She means well. She means well, but like the road to hell is paved with good intentions and she's kind of at fault for a lot that happens. Is here. that a thing? Yes, it's a saying. Oh. Good to know. But the scene is basically to tell you that Sister Margaret realizes that his next target is going to be the orphanage. The next scene is the kids having fun, reminiscent to the scene earlier when Billy was an orphan at this place. A little girl is playing with the phone. Yo, this made me realize I'm a little old because I understood what this meant. And I realized that maybe younger generations might not know what this means. When you leave a phone off the receiver, it is busy. It seems like someone's on the phone and you can't receive another call. Yeah, your current phone will tell you there's another call. There's a call waiting. That was not a thing. Yeah. Once Margaret realizes he's going to the orphanage, because this little girl left the phone off the hook, they try to call the orphanage ahead of time to say, hey, keep an eye out, lock yourselves in. They can't. Hide your nuns. Hide your nuns. (laughs) Before they can show up, there's a cop who shows up and sees a guy dressed as Santa Claus approaching the courtyard. And the kids are playing outside. They're like, Santa Claus. You don't see the face of this Santa Claus. You don't. The cop gets off the car, runs up, is like, stopped and this little kid is like going up to him
him as he does this because he's not listening. The cop shoots him three times in the back and the guy just falls. This film should be called How to Traumatize a Child 101. <laughs> Every child possible. Every child in this movie. Where Pixar is like, we're going to make you happy and cry because everything's so sweet. We're going to emotionally traumatize you? No, this is like straight up trauma. Yeah, because they just did this in front of they, like 20 kids. literally killed Santa. This is the first time. <laughs> and you're going to do it again. <laughs> this... I didn't think they would. Honestly, I was like, they've already done it once. They're not going to kill they're Santa again. They're not going to shoot Santa again. No, just kidding. <laughs> it is not just because the cop is trigger happy. They have received orders from the captain who is with Sister Margaret to shoot any Santa that arrives at the orphanage. Again, Sister Margaret, where are you here? Wouldn't you be like, there's a scheduled Santa. Don't shoot every Santa you see. Because Margaret is riding with the captain. They receive notice that, oh no, the description was wrong. The Santa that they killed was 50 years old and six foot something. I love how they explain this away. Because <laughs> you're right. They're like, oh, Father O'Brien. They're like, but he called out to him to stop. And she's like, he wouldn't hear that. He's deaf. <laughs> like, way to fit into their narrative perfectly. <laughs> It's not funny. It's just funny. Yeah. So apparently we discover that Mother Superior is still alive. In a wheelchair. Just in a wheelchair. That's how you make old people old. Older. Because she's already kind of old in the earlier scenes. She is. So like, how do we show her aging? Even more. Give her a wheelchair. After the children have witnessed Santa being murdered in the courtyard, they're all rushed inside. The cop that first arrived on the scene tells them to wait there as he checks the ground, which I thought was a bad idea. Wouldn't you want to stay with the potential targets? I don't know, because Superior keeps telling him to go fuck off because it's his fault that the kids are trauma not knowing that Mother Superior has probably been affecting these kids for several years. She said, listen, listen, motherfucker. I am the only one, the only one who can traumatize these children. And I can't hold a gun, otherwise I'd be there. So get out, because <laughs> I'm doing my work here. <laughs> yeah. I hate Mother Superior so much. Everyone in this room is now traumatized because of you, more than what I could have done. I gotta work so hard to correct this. <laughs> you don't even know. I don't have enough belts for this, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Too dark. <laughs> Catholic trauma. <laughs> I mean, we should probably cut this out because people are gonna be like, "It's enough." We can cut it off at Catholic trauma because we're Catholic. We can say that. <laughs> this just leads to a BDSM kink, okay? <laughs> Dressed as a nun, belting me, topless in booty shorts, but still a okay. We're going to hell. We need to stop it. Like. 20 minutes before this. <laughs> I get why this movie is controversial. Not only does it deal with Santa Claus, but nuns being abusive. But I feel like I've seen nuns portrayed as abusive in a lot of other films. I was going to say, you can't like hide the truth. They know <laughs> that this is what happened. <laughs> You can't be mad at the truth. <laughs> I mean, who are, we, who are we kidding here? I literally just said my mom got beat by nuns at school growing up. Leave your poor mom alone. You brought her up like three times in this episode. She's going to be like, I have nothing to do with this. I'm just saying. Catholic she guilt She could you break have. at any moment on Christmas Eve. And We're staying home. Yeah. <laughs> we got on this tangent because Mother Superior was mad that someone else traumatized them better than she could. She realizes that the children are afraid. So she tells Richard to go get a harmonica so that they can sing songs. This is where she says, oh, Oh, Ricky is so much better than his brother, Billy, who is causing all this to happen. Up until this point, you are not sure if Ricky survived. Yeah, this is the first time he's brought up since. It's kind of alluded to in the first Christmas at the orphanage because someone tries to chase after Billy after he gets upset. Think that maybe it's his brother. Weird that you wouldn't have them be closer in the narrative, right? I understand that obviously Ricky does not remember. He was very much a newborn, right? Well, allegedly. We don't know because we've already talked about this being 13 years later 
And yes. assuming that Ricky is a newborn in the first scene. He would be 13, 14. He movie. looks like a He looks kid. eight. Again, this effect of making children much younger than they are in movies. He looks like Tiny Tim. Like, he looks, he's just so small. Yes. He would definitely understand what's going on around him in the orphanage and things like that. The cop who's been outside looking around the grounds also gets killed. He goes to try to open some door. The door is locked. And when he continues to walk around, he turns around and notices the wind is pushing the door. He goes to check it out. Goes downstairs. It's like a cellar. Nothing happens. It's yeah. a really long scene and nothing happens. You as the viewer are like, he's maybe going to come out here. But he doesn't. This is one of those scenes where the music is very prominent because the orphans are singing traditional Christmas songs as the cop is looking for Billy. He walks back upstairs after having found nothing, gets told punish and acts to the chest. And that's the death and of the cop. And falls down the stairs. The reason the scene like is different from other slashers that we see is that the music is actually dying down. It's very peaceful. It's about to end. As opposed to when we covered like Halloween 2, where we knew Michael was coming because the music would ramp up like crazy. One of the kids, we find out his name is Andrew, goes to open the door to Santa Claus. And who is Santa but Billy? With his beard on his chin. But the kids still believe he is Santa. The kids are like so happy though. The kids are like all genuinely happy in this scene. If you oh, pause it, everyone's kids. got a little face. Superior is saying, stop it. Don't let him in. The little girl's like, but, but it's, it's Santa. Santa. She is literally looking at this woman like she's dumb. You dumb Because bitch. it's Santa, obviously. You're going to open the door. He approaches Mother Superior, creepily smiling, and just says, naughty. This is one of the scenes that upsets me. I literally talked about it in the speed run. He is about to kill the woman who is not responsible for his original trauma, but definitely responsible for making it worse and making him feel shame about it. Hot take. This character deserved to die. Yeah. Because she did this to Billy, but who knows the trauma she's inflicted on other students. Right. It's not the first time. She thinks her methods are great and have worked before. The reason she doesn't die is because that would have been too controversial to show a nun dying in a horror film. The omen had definitely existed at this point. I don't know if a nun was depicted as but they've killed dying, priests. but there was priests who died. And the exorcist was already a thing and a priest died in that film. This movie is kind of strange because there are nuns involved, but there's very limited to no mention of any type of religious speak. Other like, than he just ended up at that orphanage. Right. He does not get to take his revenge because he is shot by the captain and Sister Margaret standing right behind him. It's just these kids is luck. Anytime a Santa's in sight, he gets killed. Just murdered. They're going to write down this orphanage as like, if you're a Santa Claus, you should probably just avoid. This is the murdered there. Santa orphanage. Two Santa Clauses were killed there in, in one, one day. Week. And then one got punched out like 10 years ago. <laughs> no, he got punched out every, every year. Year. As Billy is dying on the ground, he tells the kids that they are safe because Santa is gone in this very strange meta ending. But we see in the final scene his little brother looking down at the axe. It pans up at him, showing that he still looks way too young for being what age he is supposed to be. But he did just witness his brother die, so that ages you up five years. Automatically, at least. Witnessing his brother get murdered dressed in a Santa suit has awakened something in him. Ricky stares angrily at Mother Superior and the axe. And the final line we get in the scene is Ricky saying, Naughty. Naughty. And it cuts to black. Now, I hope that Ricky freaking X murders this nut. <laughs> Listen, I'm really upset that her character got to live because I feel like in any other horror movie, her and Sister Margaret would have been killed for their sins. Quote unquote sins, because there's horror movie sins, not just religious sins. Maybe the real punishment here is that she keeps living. I don't know. Punishment to these kids, <laughs> not to her. It seems like the second one's more popular, right? I was looking up gifts, and all the gifts seem to have been from the second one. The second one is available on Shutter. Is it more popular? I don't. 
don't know. It could be one of those where one of the sequels is more popular. I have a feeling she's going to off screen die and not even get her justice in the second one. Yeah, she was really bad. And if he couldn't at least get the original Santa that murdered his family, he should have been able to. Okay, so I'm going to say this and then I'm going to say my other point. Should have been able to get revenge on the other person that caused him immense amounts of trauma. Now, the fact that I even said that goes to show you how well this movie did at presenting this kid's like origin story and how much you don't want him to like die. It's very strange. You understand why he's doing the things he's doing and that's why people probably didn't like this movie. You want a senseless killer that you can root for your final girl and it's very black and white. This you feel film, bad for him. Oh my god, this film, you kind of want him to succeed and that's insane. That's probably why people didn't like it. Had nothing to do with him being Santa. They didn't want to root for the killer this much. When he goes to save Pamela and he kills Andy, I was ready to see a movie that was like, he's going on an endless killing spree, saving people and killing people dressed up as Santa. I was like, this is a superhero movie. But he just started killing random people. So. That being said, <laughs> we don't condone murder. We don't. I'm just saying I would have understood if he got revenge on the people that severely traumatized him. And save the day. Yeah, because these other kids are getting severely traumatized by this nun. <laughs> right. And I also do not like that Sister Margaret can never stand up for him. That's part of the reason I thought her character was also going to get killed. She had parallels to Loomis for me. Yeah, because she kind of keeps tabs on him, but not really and won't accept like full responsibility. Shows for him. up way too late. Yes. Ranting about how they should have listened to her. She just didn't fire on him. But honestly, six they could have given her the gun and it'd been the same thing. Yeah, maybe she just handed the gun off really quick to the captain, but it was her. That being said, what would you rate this movie? I actually kind of liked it. I'll give it a 7. I liked it too. I'm kind of surprised by how much I liked it. I'm going to give it a 7.5. That's an average 7.25. It's pretty highly rated. I think IMDb had given it like a 5.9. IMDb always rates horror very low. It's because people don't know what they're talking about. Including us. We have a whole show about how we don't know what we're talking about. We have no clue. We have nothing. We do. We have this show and each other. That's all that matters. Yeah, no, this film is dark in ways you don't think it's going to be dark, but fun in other ways. In the future, like when I'm sitting around thinking like I got to watch a Christmas movie and I'm like Dick the Halls, Christmas with the Cranks, Jingle All the Way, Silent Night, Deadly Night might be up there. With the Gremlins. Yeah. Yeah. And Die Hard. Oh, yes. We did say we were going to watch Die Hard for Christmas. You haven't seen that, right? Not all the way through. I've seen like bits of it. It's funny because Die Hard's like one of my mom favorite oh, movies remember oh yeah we did i mean her talked about it for like ever on christmas eve <laughs> because you guys were so surprised that i hadn't seen it yeah i mean her were just going in on you yeah yeah, yeah it's funny traitors this isn't about die hard. this is about silent night deadly night this is about dying hard i mean they do die hard on christmas some of them too hard twice but that original santa claus was the one that needed to die maybe he's already dead it's been 13 years i mean he was what probably like 50 when he did this let's get some more meat on what happened to that guy i wanted billy to go find him and get revenge on him and the nun and i would have been happy well, let's get a twist of silent night deadly night where he's actually a hero we don't know but like a murderous one like an anti-hero you know what i mean what if that's what the sequels are about and that's why people like it more sequels probably about ricky i could see that Tangent. well there's five so i don't know if ricky survives the second one but there's I more santa claus deaths apparently yeah i would definitely say overall this is a crazy watch for christmas check it out it's pretty good yeah but you mentioned that loki did not like a lot of stuff about this movie no he actually started hating it like really early on the the grandpa whispering to Billy in the beginning, he did not appreciate that. He doesn't appreciate knowing that he has to be nice to get gifts for Christmas. Mm, yeah, he's a butt and he still gets Christmas gifts. Yeah, he's the worst. Love him. He's also severely spoiled by like my parents and your parents. Yeah, he did not know how to act this weekend. <laughs> but do you want to tell us about Loki? What else scared him? You said there was a bunch. Anytime anybody whispered. He didn't like the sirens he when didn't the like cops the were music. showing up. No, he doesn't like happy, cheery things. You do play a lot of Christmas music. He, he was like... 
enough. No, he likes the classics. He didn't like the invented ones for this, this movie. Yeah, this one about Santa creeping up on you. He didn't like it. I think the credit scene one is about being naughty and how Santa Claus is going to enter your house. Makes sense if they made a whole soundtrack. We should probably check it out, get the album. Just play it during the holiday. Sorry, Loki. You're really not going to like that. But is that pretty much it for us today? Yeah. All right. As always, we hope you guys had a good time here with us. You can follow us pretty much anywhere at Shaken Not Scared Pod, except Twitter. Twitter is Shaken Scared Pod. You could send us an email at shakennotscaredpod at gmail.com. You can support the show on Patreon. We just revamped it. Go check it out. Support the show. Get early access to episodes and even some additional episodes that we haven't released or won't be releasing here. You can listen wherever you listen to podcasts. Give us a listen. Give us a follow. Check out our drink videos. Be sure to like, rate, review us, all that good stuff. And we're pretty much going to be sticking to holiday themes for the rest of the month. So if that's what you're into, we'll see you here the rest of December. I'm excited for all the drinks we have. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.